And welcome back to Good Pop, the Culture Club, episode 8 for the week of May 23rd, 2020. We are on week 3 of Asian Pacific American Heritage Month, um, which means the light of the tunnel is so, so Over close. the hump, Marvin. Over the hump. <laughs> I'm Marvin Yue, and this week we're talking all about the new Netflix movie Lovebirds, starring Camille Nanjiani and Issa Rae. And joining me once again to talk about Lovebirds and all the pop culture that we love, we have self-proclaimed professional Asian-American Jess Jew. Hey, I'm also a self-proclaimed rom-com expert. Excellent. We're definitely going to be in need of your expertise. And also fresh from a, I guess, launch party for the new HBO uh, service, HBO Max, culture editor Han Wen. How's it going, Han? If I sound hoarse, it's because of the uh, karaoke that was at the after party. <laughs> it's all virtual. It's <laughs> Followers of Han's Twitter can see that um, even though she couldn't make it to the party in person, they still uh, were able to send her party food and party favors. And I think that's pretty, pretty awesome that they're still uh, finding ways to... Uh, they're still trying. they hustling. Yeah. HBO Max. I So this is different than HBO Go and HBO Now, right? Yeah, I would yes. think of it as... Think of it, you know how like... When Disney Plus launched, and it's not just Disney, it's Nat Geo plus Fox things. So HBO Max is not just HBO properties, it's Warner Brothers Studios. That's a ton of different movies and TV shows, plus Turner. So everything on TBS, TNT, etc. And plus they also are pulling in like Criterion Collection and like Studio Ghibli. So (laughs) it's going to be kind of quite a package. Yeah, that's Um, a lot of content. I feel like... I know someone there probably really loves the HBO brand, and that's why they needed it in there. But if it was me, no, I like to like, think you know, that I like to think that every corporation within the larger umbrella network sent a executive representative to fight in a battle to the death um, in some kind of secluded boardroom on like the thirty sixth floor <laughs> of some office building, a la Fight Club, to like duke it out for naming rights. That's that's what I think happened. So Max from HBO One. Yes, yes, Def. I mean, let's let's think about it. If you're going to put up like HBO, Warner, and um, does AT and T have a horse in the race? No. Like, like let's be real. Who's going to win? It's HBO, right? They got the young guns. <laughs> Like they they probably like work out for fun. Yeah, I'd like to think they had a race who can climb that water tower first. Yes. <laughs> oh, I would have called the frog. To throwing it way back. Who uh, remembers yeah, that's the a frog? very outdated. Yeah, Michigan, Michigan J Frog. No, but also like I remember back from the actual Looney Tunes cartoons. You know him yeah. singing. Do, so do kids growing up today watch Looney Tunes? I don't think so, but they will. On HBO That's Max. Truth. On HBO Max. <laughs> we are not, disclaimer, we are not being paid by HBO Max to do any of this bit. We are we're still, just fascinated we by it. We are still not even sure we're going to subscribe to HBO Max, to be honest. Oh, I'm too, I'm too Asian. I don't even get regular HBO. I'm Look, not paying for that. Because it's my job, I get a lot of those things free. And so paying for it isn't usually an option for, uh, like, I don't have to do it, but I did t- pay for a Disney Plus. So you never know. That's true. Maybe I'll do it. A lot of compelling content. I I feel like we're moving back into like, you know how like 
everyone's cord cutting, but now everyone is like subscribing. What's the like? Oh yeah, it's new cable, and then a bunch <laughs> of these platforms are gonna bundle and offer you packages, and we're just gonna have yeah. cable 2.0. Uh, oh yeah yeah like the skinny bundle and then there's going to be the max it's so the semi skinny bundle and then the zoftigs bundle and then whatever so yeah exactly oh zoftig i love that <laughs> word it's very very rarely used in uh, casual conversation nowadays old media is dead long live new media it's okay we'll probably all be like wasted away in some kind of nuclear apocalypse situation before that happens well as we await our inevitable fates, um, let's talk about what's been getting us through this week of quarantine. Um, Han, what's popping? Ooh, okay. So, Vita. I, I don't know if anyone's been watching this, but it's a fantastic show on Stars. It's in its third season and unfortunately last season. And the reason why it's so cool is um, it's a story about two sisters who ha- have been living elsewhere in the States when they come back to L.A. and um, take over when their mother dies, they take over the bar that she used to run. And it's actually named after her. Her, her name was Vidalia and it's called Vida and Vida means life. Um, so it's set in Mexican-American community, but it's also in Boyle Heights. So mm. it's like really super not just like Mexican American, but LA mm. and the way that they East use LA too. East LA. Oh my God. The language is like, Oh my, it's so great. And, um, but it's also super, 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 um, uh, queer. So for example, the episode we just got the one of the uh, sisters, best friends, he's turning 30. So they're like, Oh my God. He never, because he's a guy, never had a quinceanera. So they're like, let's do a, <laughs> let's do a double quinces. And so he has, and they call it a queer senora. And then, so he gets to wear a gown and, and then, sh- uh, she has to be his, uh, uh, chambalan, but chambalana or something like that. And so it's just, it's over the top, but most of the time, the, the, the drama is very, very, very real, but like there are a few set pieces that are over the top that are, awesome um also there's lots and lots and lots of sex so uh, hey, F- yeah uh, did i bury I'm the lead sold. there <laughs> yes definitely i feel like that's a star's hallmark because um i was catching up for some reason i was catching up with outlander oh yeah and oh, that my series, Horny. Do, oh my god dude oh my god oh stars uh, you can't do knows. we can't talk about this i've been like nine yeah. weeks in quarantine i yeah we, we cannot go down this road <laughs> stars knows how to appeal to women and this is also like women of all kinds um and so there it, it's the least um gratuitous nudity it's always like the sisters or whoever trying to figure out their relationships, but it's still hot. Um, and it's also just interesting. And it's, and, and like this season, it's in, ending in two more episodes. Um, but like this season, it's like just really cool to see how that they either come to terms with their sexuality and or use it and or just like, I don't know, overcome it if they happen to be um, having sex a lot without, you know, like actually standing up for themselves so it's actually very interesting and then the um conversations around who is a good or bad mexican american is very similar to the conversations we have about (laughs) if we're a good or bad asian um and like who is more asian who's less asian um all that type of stuff so it's just 
cool. And then um, just this season also, they had a conversation between um, the younger and older generation and how they're talking about queer identity. Like the older people were saying, you used to not say queer because it was a slur. And now it's kind of like people are embracing it and using it and calling everyone genderqueer and stuff like that. So yeah. it's, it's fascinating and it's really very well done. It's interesting to see all the common touch points of like immigrant second generation narratives. Um, the language. One of them yeah. doesn't speak Spanish. And so at, at some point she has to actually come to terms with that and embrace her kind of like pigeon, you know, Spanglish. Um, mm. and, and it's kind of like me where I understand a lot of Vietnamese. My spoken Vietnamese isn't very good. Um, and it's it's I've been judged by on it and then of course on the other hand my english is excellent so and i make a living out of it so it's kind of like how bad of an asian am i (laughs) (laughs) you're the best the best asian (laughs) the best i'm gold ribbon asian (laughs) (laughs) just what's popping with you i have not been consuming classy content i have been watching (laughs) the big flower fight on netflix which is a new reality series competition imagine Great British Bake Off, but with flower sculptures and everyone's just a little more fabulous and a little <laughs> there's more shade thrown, both literally and figuratively. They they host the competition in this dome and they ca- call it the flower dome. But I just start thinking like it's like the thunder dome <laughs> um, and it's called Big Flower Fight because unlike Great British Bake Off, where really like everyone's kind of doing their own thing. There's a direct element of competition here. But you know what I thought was interesting is, you know how sometimes on Bake Off, like you're running out of time and someone helps you and that's totally okay. Whereas here, if you're running out of it time like and someone helps you. Upon. They oh, were like the judge goes over. About it. Yeah. They She's stop like, you guys helping. don't do this. Um, but it's like, it's British. It's a, like a British American co-pro. There are British teams. There's American teams. The head judges is this American florist flower arranger i don't know what like the highbrow term for that is but his name is chris christian griffith vander yaw and that has to be like a <laughs> fake or like a a design name right han like there's absolutely i mean no way does he look was like born. someone who would have three names though like does he give that vibe? to be fair yes yeah and also i Look, we all think it must be fake, but at the same time, I hope I never find out um, because I want this to be his name because also he's married um, and he and his husband just adopted a boy, a little boy. And so I'm just like, oh, is the son going to be a Griffith Vander Yacht? Or maybe so like it's amazing. like him and his partner's name, but he's yeah. wonderful. And there's like a guest judge for each episode. Each episode is a different challenge. And I swear to God, every single judge has like three names. It's like Jonathan Humphrey Wintercombe or <laughs> uh, Madison St. Clair Duvois. I love and it's wonderful. That's a great Schmadison, name. Yes. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Schmadison? Um, like that's, that's something that Jess made up, though. <laughs> okay. No, no. I swear to God, her name's like Schmadison or something. <laughs> and it's it's definitely helping to fill the Great British Bake Off shaped void in my heart. Uh, I don't think we're gonna get a season this year. They typically shoot in the spring and April to air in the summertime so obviously production has stopped um and it's just like this light levity show about beauty and creation and the i think the standout pair is definitely this dutch 
and mm-hmm. Danish friend group. They're both florists. They work together. They're business partners and best friends. Their name is Hank, but spelled H E N C K, and Jan, spelled Y A N. You know, no J A N, right? J A. I think it's Y A N. Oh, mm. it's very like continental, yeah. as in like Jan the European yes. continent. They are the best. I also they love because they are so fabulous in the way they dress, but also somehow I can't remember if it's Jan or Hank. Always seems to get the memo ahead of time what the theme is and has a properly themed. Uh, chapeau for so like if they're doing aquatic plants then he, all of a sudden he has a sailor hat on like wh- i don't hat. get yeah and so then great. the um yeah the other one is like shaved bald and he always paints his head thematically so they must be getting the themes ahead of time there's or unless it. there's a magical world where literally like jan is showing up with a full theme sailor outfit <laughs> and i don't mean like a smidgen of sm- sailor yeah. he's like full like buzzly bugs like musical Buzzly Berkeley <laughs> dressed to like the 11s themed and they're so delightful um and yeah no it's just it's hitting it's hitting a lot of the spots of things I miss or aspire to be I you know I'm I'm being outside and seeing beautiful things and creating and having a green thumb I feel like plants are like very hot right now like everyone's a plant mom now I mean, outdoor spaces are so important now. People, whoever took it for granted are just like, yeah, I want to, you know, and we're, look, have I started growing um, green onions in a glass? Yes, I yes, have. As have I. And mine <laughs> and, like yeah. spoiled and I threw them away because they smelled well, really bad. You have to change out the water every other day. So that's it. Oh, that's the key. See, yeah. I didn't know this. I'm very, no green Do it again. Here. Yeah. I mean, you I can do, do it again. I do think it's like a general trend of like millennials you know, we can't afford to have like a house and a family, so we might get pets. But at this point, we can't even afford to take care of a pet. So we just have a lot of plants and that's our family. We're going to shower our love on them. <laughs> but yes, that's what's popping with me. Marvin, what's popping with you? Um, Donuts. Donuts are popping with me, especially <gasps> donuts in the court of the Donut King of Southern California. Um for those who don't know, there's a documentary called The Donut King that was supposed to premiere at South by Southwest. And because of you know COVID, it's been forced to delay its plans. And so there isn't really a lot of opportunities to watch this film, but it is going to be shown this weekend, the weekend of this episode, if you're listening as we release it, um, at the Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival Virtual Showcase. Uh, for a limited time, um, if you go to vcmedia.org slash virtual, um, you can follow, you can check out the calendar and find out how you can watch it. But The Donut King is a documentary by Alice Gu about Ted Noy, who I think the OC Register or LA Times, whatever, dubbed the Donut King of Southern California. He was a Cambodian refugee who came to the States um, right before the Khmer Rouge um, took over um, Cambodia and kind of created an empire of donut shops. So if you've, so if you're from Southern California, you may have noticed that a lot of the mom and pop donut shops are owned by Cambodian families. And the reason is because this one dude basically trained, leased, and not gave, but sold these businesses to incoming Cambodian refugees, families, friends, cousins, as a way to support themselves as as refugees. And so this documentary um, follows his journey from being a kid in Cambodia to moving to the States as a refugee to starting his first store and building his donut empire and really just how he and the Cambodian families that he supported has changed the donut landscape of uh, Southern California. 
I'm going to say some fighting words. <laughs> L.A. has the best donut culture in the United States. Fight me. <laughs> fight me. I truly believe it. I don't think either of us are going to fight you on that, but uh, we're putting it out there on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> on the record. Exactly. I yeah. think there's something for everyone. I think I think some of the biggest, we have some pretty big like franchises. I don't know if they've they gotten past Southern California, but you know, you have like the really quick and easy, fast franchises. You have the mom and pops. You have all those like cute Instagram donuts. You have yeah. institutions like the Glendora Donut Man. <laughs> You have really bougie donuts. Like there's a donut for everyone here. And I think they're great. I love donuts. I'm a big fan. Do you like the cronut? No, I, I'm very strongly opposed to the cronut. <laughs> I've, again, I have strong feelings about everything. And I think that cronut is dumb because <laughs> it's like you have two perfectly delicious things. And I think they are lesser than the sum of their parts together. <laughs> like it doesn't doesn't make sense. Like I, what I want in a donut is not what I want in a croissant. And I don't understand why you're bringing those together. And also there was already something called the cronut. It's called a queen amon. It's a Britain pastry mm-hmm. that hits the same spot. <laughs> Without this like fancy, annoying, like standing which, in line. All the lamination, which are the layers that we learned about from Great British Bake Off. <laughs> yes. Also, the cronut is filled, and I think the best donuts are hot. Mm. So you can't fill a hot donut. I mean, granted, there's some jelly and custard filled one, but that's not what I'm talking about right now. I'm talking about like the, you know. So, so fun fact that I, that I did learn from the donut king is the um the donut shop that brought the cronut to southern california is a cambodian donut shop of course it is DK's donuts of in, course um, I think it santa is. monica yeah of course it is and of course you know some french dude in new york gets all the credit for doing it well he did um, send a cease and desist letter um dominique Ansel, and then i think they were able to win because the filling was different so it technically wasn't a knockoff and they don't own like you know you don't own you don't own croissants you know <laughs> you don't you don't own croissants um and i i don't know if the documentary talks about this but the reason why donut boxes are pink yeah it's because in, of this at least in southern california is because of tenoy yeah um, because you know we asians we love our auspiciousness and i guess pink boxes were the closest you could get to red well, and not only pink donut boxes are a thing well also pink donut boxes are apparently like a few cents cheaper than white donut boxes. Hey, that's the real reason, though. <laughs> Business yeah. smart, man. Um, so, yeah, it's a great documentary. You learn a lot about um, donut culture in Southern California. The Cambodian, Which is the best culture. <laughs> the Khmer Rouge and the, the genocide, the Cambodian genocide. Not a good, a not that. good. We not don't stand good. that. Yeah. No. Um, and you kind of see, it's, it's, it's also a story about the second generation of these donut store families kind of taking over and bringing the donuts into our current times, which is like the Instagram generation, right? So um, it tells a really great story in general, but also with the added layer of it being about um, refugee families and trauma and also like the American dream and the, you know, the pros and cons of what that brings. It, I think it's a really great um, documentary for us, for people to learn about maybe a culture that they weren't familiar with. Yeah. So check out The Donut King. Um, again, you can watch it at the LA Asian Pacific Film Festival Virtual Showcase. Um, and I think it should be going, I don't know what their, their distribution plans are, but at some point this year, you should be able to watch it at one of your favorite streamers. So yeah, watch out for that. I'm excited because like last week when we were talking about Asian Americans and I was just like, I just want all the documentaries about all the Asian food that we <laughs> like created. So like, this is just one of many that I'm expecting. So yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm going to go get a donut and eat a donut <laughs> while I watch it. I mean, you have to, right? I, you I, have to. You yeah. have to. Yeah. And 
I don't know about you guys, but I, I'm pretty sure all of us knows at least one person from a donut family. My college roommate, shout out to my donut <laughs> queen, Lindsay T from Long Beach. <laughs> all right. So um, we're going to take a quick break right now. But when, when we come back, we're going to be talking about the new Camille Nanjiani Issa Rae rom-com caper? Question mark. <laughs> Breakup <laughs> movie? movie. The Lovebirds. Uh, stick around. Kathy, Kim! Steve? What's going on? Tell me, what do you know about K-dramas? Oh, um, they have something to do with the drama that comes from K-cup coffee pots? Because you know they're bad for the environment? Uh, no. Oh, you mean Korean dramas? Yeah, I know that they are very grounded in reality. No, that's actually the opposite of what happens. It, it sounds like you don't know anything about K-dramas. Yeah, I was just guessing. That's actually perfect. Remember Will, Phil, and Joanna did that Korean drama podcast? Yeah, they saw Boys Over Flowers. Yes, and people apparently listen to it and want another season. But Will and Phil are still recovering from that season. Oh my god, are they okay? I did hear they tried to give themselves amnesia. Oh, is that a K-drama thing? Yeah, pretty much. So, are you guys down to help out with the new season of the Korean drama podcast? So we're going to be watching a K-drama this time? Which one? Secret Garden from 2010. It was a big hit. And if you're down, check out the Korean Drama Podcast at koreandramapod.com. Gotcha! Am I going to see sauna towel buns? And welcome back to Good Pop. Uh, we're here today to talk about the new Camille Nanjiani Issa Rae Netflix film Lovebirds. It's a rom-com slash one crazy night slash crime thriller that was also supposed to uh, premiere at South by Southwest back in March and had its um, release window delayed because of COVID-19 and is now releasing on Netflix for streaming um, today. Yes, I believe this movie was scheduled to have a theatrical release, but they have since partnered with Netflix, which I think is maybe a better move. Yeah, I think it kind of fit. It definitely does. Yeah. So the movie stars Issa Rae and Kumail Nanjiani. Um, it's directed by Michael Showalter. And um, it's about a couple who, I guess, um, witness a crime and, I guess, assume that they'll be blamed for it. So they go on the run to try and solve it. They're tied up through a series of shenanigans. So it seems like they were the ones who committed the crime. So they have to... And there is a really kind of not even subtextual but really kind of um overlay the fact that no one will believe them because they are people of color so they're very they're rightfully very scared of the police so they kind of panic and run which of course makes them look more suspicious and they're kind of trying to solve the problem before it becomes a bigger thing get their lives back to normal and of course it escalates like all good one night hijinks (laughs) movies do yeah and so Kumail Nanjiani and Issa Rae are playing the leads, the romantic leads of this movie. And um, I was kind of surprised that it started out, well, it started out with them having their, it's not even the meet cute, right? It's like the the day, the, the morning after a hookup, right? And then it shows their them um, starting their relationship and it cuts to a few years later where they're obviously at a tough moment of their of their relationship. And the movie actually starts with them about to break up. Yeah, they're fighting because it's kind of like the the romantic sort of sheen has gone. You know how it is, like where everything is kind of annoying and you take each other for granted. And so they and the funny thing is they're actually arguing about the most 
insignificant thing, but yes, it definitely shows that they each have something going on deeper within themselves that they haven't expressed to each other. Yeah. And then the inciting incident happens where they get involved in a crime. And then, like Jess says, they decide to run because... And I think it it really um, expertly plays with this notion that like black and brown people don't assume that they get the benefit of a doubt, right, when it comes to the law. And... um, this was in the trailer, so we can talk about it. Like they get set upon by two, like essentially two Karens, right? Who <laughs> like hipster Karens, so more like yeah. the Beckys and the Brads. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, and th- this film takes place in Nola, New Orleans, but oh yeah, they uh, which is great. I love, I love, I love Nola personally, and I like to see. I think it's fun to take these stories maybe outside of like the obvious metropolitan areas like LA and New York mm-hmm. or San Francisco. But I mean, other than that though, and that kind of that initial incident and those conversations about not being believed or the cops beating their ass because they're black and Brown. Um, when they talk about the, the diner, which was really funny. Other than that, I think the rest of the movie is fairly mainstream and i mean that in a good way um because in another world this would have been a movie with like zoe deutsch and yeah i don't know like there are two other movies that are almost exactly like this one is date night which is uh tina fey and steve carell and then game night which like triples or quadruples the formula of couples and it all takes place over one night and they're trying to like evade some sort of crazy criminal. But it's funny. So yeah. it, it actually is very much like almost a third in the series. And I honestly, I'm just like, while it doesn't necessarily break any of uh, break the mold, I'm actually fine with that because it's we just haven't seen this. You know, I like that they're they're right there with all the other tropes that we've seen. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a very solid showcase of Kumail Nanjiani and Issa Rae. And they're both kind of playing themselves. They're playing characters that they've played before, but like really showcasing their abilities and their, their humor. Yeah, definitely. Most rom-coms are built on the same exact story, right? There's nothing particularly groundbreaking, but it's really built on the charm and the charisma of the two leads and whether or not you enjoy watching them. So, I mean, if you don't like Issa Rae and Kumail Nanjiani, you're not going to like this movie. But I was just very delighted throughout the entire thing. I thought they were all they were funny without being like over the top. Um, You know, we all know Kumail Nanjiani's packing and he's daddy (laughs) underneath those polos. Issa Rae is just beautiful, like. It's just like a beautiful person, and she seems like Issa Rae. Like I, I really just want to like go. I don't even drink, and I just want to go grab drinks with her, and like maybe like do each other's hair or something. Like, and I, I actually, be her friend. yeah, and I actually because even though this was lightweight, um, I felt that uh, Kamal had some really good sort of like tender and uh, evoking emotion moments that like he would look at her and I suddenly got like a, something in my stomach was fluttering. I was like, whoa, that's a uh, pretty smoldering right there. So that's because yeah. you saw the Instagram photo <laughs> without his shirt on, Han. We know. We just, it just recalls it like right away. Just well, superimposes it over the screen. Well, it's been great to see. Like, I think this is both of theirs first time being a romantic lead in a major. No, film, Kumail right? was in the big sick. Right, right, Which right. he wrote himself. <laughs> um, that was also great. Um, 
She was uh, she was in the photograph, mm. which was set between New York and New Orleans, um, but it was not a rom com. Yeah. Um, okay. Stand corrected. But <laughs> I, I was thinking about both of their trajectories and like how Kumail Nanjiani started as like he was always the sidekick or the big character, right? Silicon Valley and other like kind of like he was always like the Indian guy who like is there making like the Indian guy jokes, and then suddenly he wrote this part for himself as a romantic lead, got cast, started getting casting in bigger roles, and now he's like headlining rom-coms and buddy cop movies with Bautista. And mm-hmm. Issa Rae, similarly, was someone who like kind of wrote herself into leading roles and, you know, started off with um, Awkward Black Girl, ended up getting Insecure, and now she's in movies as like the lead too. And I think both of them are really great testaments to really making it happen. And, you know, of course, you no, know, it doesn't happen in a vacuum. A lot of people, a lot of things had to happen for them to get to this point. But it, it was really cool to see both of these people with like, I wouldn't say similar trajectories, but like kind of meeting at this point and kind of starting this movie together, really showcasing themselves. Yeah. And they're both um, executive producers on this. So uh, it's, it's and they're both creators of their own content. So like, you know, so I feel like they're this is just one more step in them, like taking control of what their narrative is um, in Hollywood. And I wouldn't be surprised if several of these lines were things that they kind of ad libbed and like changed on their own because it definitely had like, yes, the whole movie was kind of like follows that formula, but there are definitely moments of flavor and like actual like humor that I was like unexpected, um, <laughs> but very true to kind of who, who their characters were that I really appreciated. Yeah. So Jess, as the self-proclaimed expert of rom-coms, how would you yes. rate the chemistry between Issa's character and Kumail's character? You know, it's a little weird because we only see them happily together in the teaser, which is like less than five minutes, I would say, overall. And then you 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 hit straight into, you know, like the bumpy road of the relationship. So I don't know if I got like romance in the majority of the movie, which I don't which I think is fine because I don't think it's. I mean, that's the point of this movie, right? They've lost that spark. Um, they're, it's almost like, it almost plays like a buddy comedy for the first two thirds of the movie, for the first two acts, you know, two and a half acts until they, until they do finally reconnect. But the parts where they're on their date, you know, they're really sweet. It's really funny. I, a part of the romantic in me wishes I saw a little bit more of that, but I think that's a different movie. That's a different story. And all honesty, all buddy movies, buddy cop movies, regardless of gender are also really just romance movies. (laughs) It's, it's really the same exact formula. It's like, so for this movie to work, they inherently have to be at odds with each other, like in that buddy cop, almost like a buddy cop kind of way. Um, and <laughs> and then, you know, it, it kind of quickly devolves into kind of more ridiculous situations with each clue they find. Um, there's some really good cameos um, in their journey, which I, and I feel like every time you add a third person into it, it just like amps up the fun even more, which I really enjoyed. So Moses Storm, <laughs> who plays this college frat boy that they're interrogating and what might be my favorite scene in the movie. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh my God. He's great. Moses Storm was on Sunnyside, which was the NBC show with Cal Penn starring. And he plays like the um, Albanian or Moldovian, Moldovian immigrant. Uh, So yeah, he's, he's in this. There's Anna Camp is in this as uh, playing 
very much playing in her like traditional southern charm and using that for a really funny humorous turn and yeah i i and i really actually really loved when they so they're on their way they start fighting on their way to their friend's party and this was something very inconsequential like that really doesn't matter anything in the story but they get there like all their friends are people of color Mm. it's great (laughs) yeah yeah like something as small as that and they're all like very like attractive professional like very all different they all seem like they have their own lives going on they seem fun (laughs) yeah i I did also enjoy the intro section um if you can't judge the chemistry portion of the romance what would you judge the camille's game on getting Issa ray's uh phone number it was pretty good good move that was pretty good i mean she was into it so it worked (laughs) it was pretty good it was sweet it's just very real like i feel like they grounded the relationship and I think that was a disconscious choice because typically in a rom-com, you have some grand act, right? It's like that moment <laughs> where you, when you do, when you edit the Oscar montage of romances, like there's this big grand moment that you put in and this movie doesn't really have the, that. The running after, running after them in the airport. Running after the or train the or like, you know, like lighting up the candles, you know, like, yeah, like that grand gesture that's we kind of expect to see, you know, showing up in a tuxedo all glammed up, showing up in a ball gown and walking down the stairs. But it, that's, I really think that this movie is not about that. It's about just two people really, we're really getting the right at the beginning of the relationship and right at the begin of beginning of the second wave you know the next the, the rejuvenation so we're not really getting into those like grand gestures which is more realistic it's no one yeah. no one in my life i don't think people in life if you have a healthy relationship <laughs> you should not be needing grand gestures because grand gestures usually only come after you fucked up majorly <laughs> right so the grand gesture is like hey i'm gonna like support you and i believe in you and i think that's like a very millennial way of thinking about relationships but i do think it's healthier in the long run we talked about how this movie is kind of a rom-com but we've also talked a little bit about how it's also a one crazy night movie which to be honest is one of my favorite types of movies because it's very like the time frame is so um compressed and like it really adds to kind of tension and storytelling, but also... I will say one thing I wish this movie had done a little better or maybe edited was there were a lot of conversations just happening in cars. And I was like, you could have done something here. Like, give me something. Maybe the budget didn't allow for that. But I was like, you're in NOLA, one of the most beautiful cities in America. Like, give me something fun. But it also solves the, you know, like, how do they get there so fast? <laughs> question in a lot of these movies where it's like yeah. they were That's in cars true. the entire That's time. That's true. <laughs> yeah. And I guess you do just, you do, they're very logistical oriented people. So they're like, okay, we're going to like converse <laughs> and hash out our problems while in transit. So that's fair. But how um, many but have you watched, Marvin, of these one night crazy adventures? I mean, I was thinking about, I mean, quite a few. There's a lot. I The more I think of them, the more just come to mind. Yeah. I mean, the first movie to come to mind, maybe because it stars two people of color, is Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle, which is like probably one of my favorite ones of these movies. Um, oh, it does happen in one night. Yeah. It's a munchie run. <laughs> That's the entire movie That's is them true. wanting to go get some munchies. Superbad's another one that, that comes to mind. Um, Booksmart. Haven't watched that in a I while. Mean, so I don't know how and well that's aged. Booksmart are the but, same. 
<laughs> they're right. Yeah, one of my more maybe vintagey ones is "Can't Hardly Wait," um, uh, a teen rom com. And what I love about these one crazy night sort of stories is that you do have to be creative about how you move the action along. So whether it's through cars or this is like a big house party, um, and also it means that there's usually a fairly big cast. And or crazy characters that come in and out uh, to like add spice to the journey of the uh, protagonist. So like I really enjoyed Can't Hardly Wait because it was for like the like graduating class sort of like Booksmart yeah. is. Um, I totally forgot about yeah. that. One. I, re- I remember really enjoying that. And that was like the um, was that the beginning or the, the high time of the Jennifer Love? It Hewitt, was probably like, the assaults. height of all of that stuff. Um, so around the same years, we probably got like Drive Me Crazy with Melissa Joan Hart. <laughs> oh, that one was not great. Yeah, not as good. Yeah, no, but you know what I mean. Like, and so yeah. she's all that too, right? It's like the lead up to that, the. Yeah. That lead up to the inevitable spoof movie starring Chris Evans, yes. which I guess launched his career too. Yeah, that was a date movie. Not no. another. Not another. Not another oh wait, no. ha! My my um, former roommate was in that. <laughs> she was the naked girl. Um, but uh, so something. Along those lines, of more recently was Blockers. I don't know if you remember that. I loved Blockers. It's so good because what I liked it about it was it was sort of switching it up where, yes, there are many couples, but these couples are also parents of three teen girls who are intent on like losing their virginity um, over prom night. And they're how the girls take sort of um, control of their bodies and deciding their fates and whatever and how guys are going to treat them is a great message. But then also just how the parents have to come to terms with that. And also the the parent parental like cast is fantastic. John um, Cena. So, yeah. Yep. I am. <laughs> I don't know if it was I was talking to you guys about this before, but I am very pro wrestlers becoming mainstream <laughs> movie yep. stars. Very yep, yep. pro. Uh, he is great in it. It's him and Leslie Mann mm-hmm. and um, Ike Baranowitz. I don't know if I'm saying his name right. And they're just great in it. Uh, the the teenagers are great too. Those that's Geraldine Vivaswani, mm-hmm. who has been in a lot of different projects since then, and very very girl power, very feminist. Um, not surprisingly, mm-hmm. directed, written by a woman, Kay Cannon, and uh, produced by a woman, uh, Laverne McKinnon, who did Girl Boss. Like very, very like a different kind of like a smart teen sex comedy, mm-hmm. but about the parents. So. I haven't watched Blockers yet. <gasps> I've heard really great things about it. It's on my Netflix queue. You know or my Prime Ramona queue. Young from Never Have I Ever is in it. Um, also, let's see. I think the, one of the girls, Catherine Newton, she's from like all those HBO things. And um, she's yeah. in everything, basically. I've heard really great things about it. It's one of those things where I'm pretty sure I would like it mm-hmm. if I watched it, which is why I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. Well, I caught I caught it on a plane, so... Uh, yeah the planes where i do all of my i should really watch this. <laughs> well that's why you haven't caught up on anything because you haven't been on a plane <laughs> that's true it's a great plane just movie. i'm looking at the list and you have a pretty good example of a one crazy night story i i didn't realize a lot of these films i love a lot of these films i mean book smart is was was lovely i felt so seen i was definitely a molly 
<laughs> but um, Die Hard has to be up there on it's one of great. my top three one night shenanigan movies. It is the most shenanigan of shenanigans. Uh, great villain, just you know, descending deeper into madness. Um, just things getting worse, and then yeah. It counts, right? It counts. There's, there's definitely the totally sense. Counts. It's everything we love in the movies: a sense of urgency, right? There's a clear mission. There's clear stakes involved, and um, I yeah. think just the timeline really heightens everything. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm also very, you know, aware of how much character development they are able to do because it's one thing if it takes place over a period of time and you fast forward and stuff. This is literally usually 24 hours or less. And for them to be able to show someone change and come to like terms with stuff and all that is I think pretty well done. Well, I mean, it goes to show the power of moments in people's lives, right? There are some moments where you just, you're just changed forever. I mean, you have um, a terrorist I, took over <laughs> a tower you were in while your estranged wife and all her coworkers were stuck and they started killing people and you were the only one who could save them. You would be changed. Or you could die. See, that's my or thing. Or you it's could like, die. We, die hard. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we, uh, uh, I think the Hangover movies count, you know. Uh, they do. At least the first yeah, one. The, I, don't I don't know if the second I never even watched the second, does. so I only watched yeah. the first. I mean, yeah, we've, we've seen these moments portrayed on screen. I'm curious to know if any of you have ever had your own personal One Crazy Night story that can be shared on, on podcast. <laughs> I think the closest I ever got was... In Las Vegas, of course, it was after college and me and three girlfriends from college were all newly single for the first time and together. So it was the perfect combination for a shit storm. (laughs) That's what it was, Marvin. And it was like 22 at the time. Very naive. So we most of us had been in very long term, loving, committed relationships in college throughout college, like some losers. So we were like, okay, we're going to go out and get wild and like really try to do it right. But it's like, imagine four, like deep down, like in the harsh, just very nice girls trying to get wild in Vegas, like living that <laughs> fantasy, like we're going to do it. And it just kind of, I, I, it is not appropriate to discuss on air, but I will give you some highlights. It involved uh, being bamboozled by... A group of Chinese Australian men. We were bamboozled by the accents. They were trash. We we lost two out of four phones. There was lo- or they were more like they were stolen. Um, there was some light stalking, and um, yeah, some. Uh, I should probably shouldn't say the last part, but let's just say we left pieces of us behind on the Odium <laughs> dance floor. So, which Odium was the hot club then. So, um, definitely a trip to remember. Would not do it again. Uh, definitely learned a lot that trip about the natures of men. Do you think you Oh, yes. But, like, maybe, like, like less, this is not the Hollywood ending, probably less redemptive. It was more just like, (laughs) oh, wow, men are trash. (laughs) That's way cooler than uh, maybe the only closest I can get was uh my college friends were mainly guys um and so my boyfriend and all of his friends which were my friends we attended um a friend's wedding in it was in Mississippi but it was very close to New Orleans 
So I just remember I was the maid of honor. And so I we later on which went out wearing all of our wedding stuff. So I had like the bridesmaid's dress on with the hair, wedding hair. <laughs> and then we did karaoke. So I think that's very cinematic. Um, and what did we <laughs> sing? Uh, Bust a Move? Maybe. Whatever. <laughs> so uh, I think I lost my ID there. And that's really about it. There's nothing else. Like, I'm sure we got drunk, and but nothing else that crazy. I have hope for the future, though, because many of my friends are not yet married. So I feel like there is a mm. lot of opportunity in the forthcoming bachelor bachelorette parties the post-covid 24-hour that's gonna be the bacchus that's gonna be the bacchus i'm gonna like i hope i end up in a hospital for non-covid reasons like that is the goal you mean revenge spending have you heard about this no Uh, please explain i don't i don't think i've been i don't think i need a revenge spend because i've still been like stress shopping throughout this entire thing apparently that's what people in china are doing they're spending their newly found freedom just sticking it to COVID by spending Yeah, money. they hate to see it. Why not? Life is short. Live it up. <laughs> but also, like, you know, rejuvenate the economy. So it yeah. works. I feel like, so I've always taken the role of, like, kind of Papa Bear during these excursions with friends. So I'm always the one taking care of people mm-hmm. or kind of being responsible. So I feel like these stories happen around me, but never directly affecting you me. You are like, a character. You are that character. The responsible the straight man. <laughs> I would be the one you call me when you find yourself in a ditch somewhere to go pick you up. That's my character. It's it's, it's Wait, an important role. Am I Marvin? the Keith? It's important. Am I the Keith of this story? You might be Keith. Oh God. Well, I guess to wrap up our discussion of lovebirds, um, I'm going to ask you all a simple question: Do we want this? Yes, we definitely want it. It's free. It's on Netflix. We want it. We want more of it, Ashley. And and like, let's go through every single one of the rom-com formulas and get this to happen. Get Camille Nanjiani and Issa Rae in every single rom-com. Uh, they don't have to be the same ones every time. Like, you know, we can give other people a chance. Like, I, would, I wouldn't mind seeing, have we, why have we not seen an Aquafina uh, rom-com lead? Oh, so that's my question to you guys. Who is your dream rom-com pair? Okay, I don't know about the pair, but I do have to say... Jin Ha, um, yes. because I just saw him again for the premiere for Love Life on HBO Max uh, today. And he's also uh, a love interest in Devs. And oh, my God, he's he has such good like intensity. Um, I would love to see him. Honestly, I would love to see Aquafina. So maybe the two of them. But I, I don't know if I want them together necessarily. But those are the first two who come to mind. Manny Jacinto and anything. <laughs> Not even anyone, like anything. Like he could fall in love with the tree and I'd watch it. Oh, mm. I'd probably know, cry would, at the wedding. He say- runs like a like a burger stand or something, like or donut stand. How about and um and his his first love is making donuts, and I would watch that. I would say the same, but like with Jake Choi. Why don't we do Manny and Jake together? So Manny That's runs a uh, Malasada sta- stand in like Hawaii. <laughs> Let's put it somewhere beautiful and tropical because that's what you do for rom-coms. Jake Choi's like visiting. They fall in love. But, you know, Manny's like married to the stand. So they can have a throuple. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Who else are we throwing into this mix? Who else has great cheekbones? Like, let's just have them uh... all just... 
cheekboned up. You gotta have the old guard, right? You got DDK, your your Will Young Lee. DDK your, can play uh, someone's dad. We're just gonna call this movie Cheekboned, and we're just gonna cast every beautiful <laughs> actor with yeah, cheekboner. We're gonna cast every <laughs> single beautiful Asian man with immaculate cheekbones. So like, let's throw Ludi Lin in there. Uh, let's throw um, Daniel Henny. Daniel Henny, yes, Daniel Wu. <laughs> just throw all of them in there. The dad from Never Have I Ever, but like playing the dad, like Chris this Pang. Past life, Chris Pang. Mm. Let's let's throw them all in there. Yeah. I think we just made like a smut film. <laughs> this is why you know it's fantasy. Yeah. I will also say I want this, um, and I want more of this. Like I want more Issa Rae. I want more Kimono Nanjiani. I want more just not only diverse leads in movies, but diverse cast and like a just a representation of like the worlds that we see. Well, on that note, that'll also do it for this episode of Good Pop Culture Club. Thank you to my co-host Jess and Han again for joining us and talking about pop culture. If you enjoyed our conversation, you can follow the podcast at goodpop.club and subscribe to the podcast there or on your favorite podcatcher. You can also follow us on Twitter at goodpopclub. We are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian-American-hosted podcasts. Learn more about the collective by going to podcastpotluck.com. That's at podcastpotluck.com. Um, Cheekboner 2022. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Coming to Quibi in 2022. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for joining us again, and uh, we'll see you next time on Good Pop. Bye, everyone. Hey, I'm Bill Yu, and you may know me from a blog called Angry Asian Man. And I'm Jeff Yang, author, journalist, and celebrity dad. We host a podcast called They Call Us Bruce, an unfiltered conversation about what's happening in Asian America. Each week or so, we host a discussion about some of the most vital and interesting topics in our pop culture and our community, bringing in guests who are shaping and informing this thing called Asian America from Hollywood to D.C. and beyond. Uh, we've got media, entertainment, food, family, politics, representation, the good, the bad, the WTF of it all. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts or at theycallsbruce.com. Peace. Peace. <laughs>